Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Will We Watch? This is a mini episode where we are doing our top five. I'm joined by filmmaker Hope Hatch, and Hope, we're going through our top five Pixar shorts. Yeah. What do you think a Pixar short does at its best? Yeah, I think they all have kind of like a moral teaching that is like interwoven into them. And there's always uh, like they do such a good job of telling a short story in such a short amount of time. Uh, I definitely think ones that make me cry are like my favorite. So they, I think they really like aim to pull at heartstrings and kind of like human essence, I think, is in all involved in all of them. All right. You want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to start off with uh, a... One that I hadn't seen before until I started uh, watching all the Pixar shorts is La Luna. We were talking about it a little bit before uh, the show started. And this one is just like an incredible. uh, It's just like it's it's such an incredible creation. It was released before Brave. And it's about a young Italian boy who's accompanying his father and grandfather uh, to their job, which is clearing the moon of falling stars, which is like so first precious. off, <laughs> so precious. What a incredible, like it all. I I I had to Google because I, I was like, was this an old fable? Like, is this a traditional mm. folk story? But it isn't. It's just it's just what the filmmaker had come up with. I think the reveal at the end is like so sweet. Um, the fact that it's like a, a waning or a waxing crescent moon that they're like sweeping all of the stars into like the shape. And I was like, oh my gosh. And they're like teaching, uh, yeah, I guess like this like young boy in their family. I don't know. That, that one made me cry. It was so, so cute. And yeah, like uh, the little boy problem solves his way through kind of like these relationships of that are like kind of pulling him in each direction, but yeah. also has the goal of kind of like doing something right in his own way. And kind of like coming of age through it where he they're both putting their their styles onto him and then at mm-hmm. the end he solves the bigger problem by creating his own style yeah and absolutely. uh yeah it's just a terrific it's really beautiful and kind of everything the reason why i really that this one really jumps out at me is that like everything in the frame has such texture like mm-hmm. e- even if it's like the backgrounds that are like watercolor influenced and even the sound design like when you look at the stars in it that have fallen they sound like shells but they look like little cookies oh interesting cookies yeah i like that and it really gives you this like bizarre texture and the entire time while watching i was like i just want to pick one of those up (laughs) dude yeah i want to be able to like knock on it and have it kind of like not shatter but like I don't know how you describe that, but how it was like sort of like wavering with light. Oh, it's so pretty. It's gorgeous. All right. Uh, what's your number one? My number one um, is going to be Bao. That one I've seen and every single time I am sobbing. Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah, I guess it's like the story of like a mother coming to terms with like her son leaving her. But yeah, as you had mentioned, it's sort of like a like human characters, but also they turn into little Bao buns. Yeah. And like, it's just a such a personal. It feels like a very personal story that uh, someone either watched their mother go through that, or um, was the child who caused their mother to go through that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's my impression. Is it's like one of uh, like the animators who like directed it. Like that was sort of like their like telling of that story, which is their their own. Yeah, it's a, uh, 
Yeah, what a fantastic one. And also, come on, bringing bows in, in, in people's <laughs> lives. Like, I hope there's a, I hope everyone eats bows, but uh, just bringing that in and being like, yeah, dude, <laughs> this thing looks yeah, so also, cute and it tastes delicious. It does. Oh my gosh, cute and delicious. That could be a, that could be a show, cute and delicious. Uh, <laughs> but I also think um, how personal food was in the story to like that family and like family dynamics are so different mm-hmm. and like, uh the relationships that are expressed in like a pixar short are like really like deeply different and this one really showcased food in like a really important way something that i've realized a lot about these shorts is that a lot of them have zero dialogue Mm. and i think like that must be one of the things is that they they're they look for very visual stories and uh yeah because both of uh la luna and bao are are both completely non-verbal right Definitely, yeah, and the music and the sound design ties all of that in so well. Mm-hmm. My uh, my number two is gonna be Night and Day. Um, yeah, I love animation. Like I and and I love that it's kind of old school nineteen fifties characters meeting modern computer an- animation. This one came before Toy Story three. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, I it's just about kind of how. Uh, as people, we are inherently afraid of others and people who are different. And then if you and it kind of teaches us that, like, if you open yourself to recognizing our similarities and uh, and being able to recognize what's cool about people who are different, then we can all get together. And it actually does the literal image of us being the same at the end of the day, which I yeah. think that's one of the best things that oh. Pixar shorts do is that, like. <laughs> these guys like one's night one's day they get together and then at the very end their sons both set or like one sun sets while the moon's going down and then they're both a, like a sunset and it's like yeah, oh yeah. my god and then they switch and uh i think one of the best things is that pixar shorts take their themes very literally mm. and uh and they, they they can put that through through imagery very well well yeah, I agree. The lack of dialogue also helps with that because then it's not sort of like throwing it in your face until kind of the end when you realize like, oh, what's this story about? Like there's always like an inherent curiosity in all of the characters that you get to realize through just like living with them for a minute. Yeah. So And it's, it's so inventive. What's your uh, number two? I'm going to say my number two is Nick Knack. And uh, that that one is just like, oh, classic. I'm pretty sure it plays in the beginning of Finding Nemo. And I had that one on VHS. So I've seen it a lot. Whoa. But Nick Knack is so sweet uh yeah i guess it's like this little snowman character who's trapped in a snow globe and he wants to get out to hang out with uh like these sort of miami beach figurines that are on the same shelf but because he's trapped in a snow globe there's a ton of like slapstick inventions kind of like um uh yeah like uh roadrunner yes yeah Acme, acme type of stuff he's trying to like explode dynamite to break the wall for him to get out um, and then he finally does because uh, the uh, globe ends up tipping over the edge and he falls out of the snow globe into a fish tank and sees another mermaid character who he's like, well, like has eyes for. And then it like slowly floats back on top of him, trapping him again. Tough. Like, oh, so good. It's so funny. It's a very like 1950s uh, or, or, or like Looney Tunes style take to this modern taste of a- animation. And I think it said that this was one of their early tests, right? Yeah, I think so. This played at like a festival in the beginning of uh, 
or I, yeah, I think it like toured around as kind of like a look. We like made like a little thing, like and yeah, to show off kind of computer animation and their abilities as a studio. So I wonder if that's kind of a thing of like we grew up with this uh, old style of of like an, an animation and like antics. So we're gonna take that mm-hmm. and put it into this new way, so you can experience something old through something new. Maybe I, I, I wonder if that was this, one of the reasons for it. Yeah, totally. Um, my third one is gonna be. Uh, it's called Lifted. Um, this thing played at the beginning of Ratatouille, and holy shit! Out of all of them, this is the funniest. I'm, I'm on my list. Had you ha- had you seen this this one before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I've. I don't think I have ever. I, I don't think that I've seen this one before. <laughs> and so it starts, and it's like basically, it's about a student driver failing their first exam, but it's an alien trying to abduct a human in a ufo (laughs) it's just like i think what's so great is that it shows it's a great lesson of comedic timing Mm. where it's literally the same joke over and over over again where it's like they're having a hard time maneuvering this human in this tractor beam but the timing they do it like maybe 17 different times and uh it gets funnier every single moment Every single time. I think also, like, there is something to be said about the fact that Pixar shorts or feature does a really good job of balancing adult expectations and kid expectations. And that is such a good example of that, really compacted in, is that, like, even as an adult, you're like, ooh, I really hope this happens next. And then it kind of does, but in Pixar's own way, and you're just, like, excited to see what's going to happen next, even though it's going to be the same. It's going to be the tractor beam thing again. Yeah, (laughs) they subvert expectations incredibly. And, like... Yeah. I really just love it because there's like no deeper meaning to it really than like let people learn from failure. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. the like alien driving instructor is like, all right, take the wheel. And then he <laughs> and, then, and then that alien like yeah. takes it and crashes into the dude's house. And you're like, they killed him. And then it lifts up. <laughs> yeah. And the only little spot of where the like the portal hole was on on the ufo <laughs> is the dude's bed in like the middle of yeah. this entire crater it's so fun i love this one uh lifted is solid lifted is solid did you um watch to the end of the little credits of that one no um his uh so yeah he's left and it's sort of the morning and he's like that little man that they're trying to abduct is in his bed tucked away but the sun is rising and you all you hear in the sound design is an alarm clock go yes. off and he goes no 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 and then you hear the Wil- wilhelm scream because he like falls off and it's like oh ah! my god that's so funny <laughs> and i I, I, I heard the alarm go off and i was like that's a really cute detail i didn't know that it had a punchline yeah there you go what's your number uh what are we on three What's your number three? Uh, Jack Jack Attack, which is like arguably maybe not a Pixar short because it doesn't play in the front of something else, but I think it is because it's a uh, extra like added features. We from, went over like, this. I definitely agree. I it's it's a Pixar short. It's a Pixar short. Yeah, I don't think it was a cut cut scene. Um, but yeah, Jack Jack Attack is the babysitter that's babysitting Jack Jack while the Incredibles are off on like their first mission as a family. Um, and because he doesn't have any powers, uh, the babysitter is like, yeah, I'm going to like play Mozart for this little baby. And then it kind of like, she's like, it's like helps for brain development. And then it kind of like results in it does, but it helps with Jack Jack's ability to have powers. And it's like her uh, trying to like struggle with that. I didn't think about that, that like, 
the that that the only reason Jack Jacks gets their powers is by is by these like these uh these like early childhood development aids. <laughs> be, be, yeah, be, I wonder if it like if it really hilarious. like sort of uh sped up the process, but I love that all she wants is that he's just like gonna be better. He's gonna be the best baby that he can be. <laughs> and then he like is because that was his inevitable path and it's, she just like really brought it onto herself. It's also such like a perfect teen babysitter, like as a babysitter. I wasn't like that, but I had babysitters who were like <laughs> wanted to be the best babysitter ever. Yes. And you can tell that she's the kind of girl who's like, I'm starting like this is a business. <laughs> and like <laughs> I I have a business. <laughs> and I, I have care, a business and it's like I care most about my uh my customers. Please leave a Yelp review and like the image of her like Yelp thing is just her like house. She like comes with a little kit. She's like, I've got all these tools to help me out. Like, and then half of them are Mozart CDs, but I've got it all. Yeah, it's so it's such it's just awesome, dude. This thing kills, and it also works into the movie where it's almost just like a deleted scene where it shows you how syndrome gets Jack Jack, and you can kind of put that into the movie in 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 your brain. I remember being a kid and getting the DVD and being like, "There's more Incredibles." Yes. Oh, I agree. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's so good. This thing super kills. Um, I'm gonna carry over from Jack Jack Attack to Boundin, uh, which is uh, it's comes before The Incredibles. And an interesting thing about this is that the creator of it is named Bud Lucky, easily the coolest name in the world, Bud Lucky. And he was the voice of uh, Agent, I believe his name's Agent Dickens or Dicker. Okay. In The Incredibles. He's the one interviewing them through the s- spotlight. Oh, and yeah. um, And he's the voice of that guy. And he's the animator and also writer and voice of this one. And it's about like this confident little sheep. Um, who loves dancing, and then one day he's shorn, and he becomes mm. really self-conscious, and then this carefree jackalope arrives and teaches the sheep to, like, get up and start bouncing. And uh, and it's really just about, like, taking the ups and downs in stride, literally. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it feels to me like this thing could have been a sequel to The Big Lebowski. Like, it kind of has that vibe of, like, hey, man, like, Stuff happens. <laughs> like, a sequel to The Big Lebowski, but just like the kidified version. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that jackalope is one of the coolest characters in like the history of cinema. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. he's just so carefree. And uh, yeah, that's Bud Lucky's voice. And um, from all accounts, that's like very his motto. And this kind of short oh. is like, it, it's like him in a nutshell. And uh, he died in 2018. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Dang. Well, RIP to him. It's R- a pretty good short. I'll say it hasn't always been my favorite. And I wonder if it's that same kind of like it has dialogue in it technically because yep. it's a musical. Yeah. So it's like it's like telling the story even more literally and not as visually. Yes. Uh, I 100% agree with you. I think Brad. I really wonder about that. Brad Bird was like. He he originally wanted this short to start with Bud get coming into his office with like a guitar and like a bottle of whiskey <laughs> and like <laughs> singing to Brad Bird this song and then go into the an- animation. And uh, so, yeah, like I think the song came first 
and then the story came out or the, and then the animation came after that being said then maybe it would be a good uh big lebowski sequel yeah. if he just showed up with a guitar and a bottle of whiskey then yeah <laughs> all right uh what's your number four my number four we have luxo jr mm. which is kind of like if I may say the lineage of the Pixar opening sequence, mm-hmm. when I was a kid and I watched this, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the reason why he jumps on the eye in the Pixar logo. Like that's I was so from. stoked to figure out that's where it came from. Yeah. And it's kind of like the story of uh, Luxo Jr. The little lamp is bouncing on a ball and then it gets a little, he gets like a little bit uh, overzealous and goes for like a bigger ball. But there's kind of like this dad lamp character sort of like watching over and uh yeah i don't know as a kid i was just like oh my gosh this is where luxo jr came from that's why he bounces on stuff this is so sick so yeah it's like a really it's a really short one that one might be like one of the most iconic shorts ever made like because it is incorporated into their logo but it also changes every kid when they see one of those lamps thinks of that short um yeah and it's just like was that one of their first ones? Did that one come before Toy Story? Uh, you know what? I don't actually know. Um, Me neither. Because I, I, I feel like it. that one was the original one. It also, I think there's an interesting with thing with these early Toy Story or with these early Pixar shorts and some of the later ones, like with uh, La Luna, how they're kind of experimenting with textures is yeah. I think a lot of them are testing are little tests and i think this one was made for using uh for learning how to do technology for shadows because kind of like when you are learning about light sources you do do a ball and you shade in where like and and it's about shading and knowing your light source and i wonder if that's how this started was them experimenting with moving light sources on a ball yeah totally uh that would absolutely do it in the beginning when it opens it says pixar actually it's funny you mention that because in between each letter is a different like an it's rgb and there's these tiny little spheres in between the letters kind of like in the friends logo yeah. and it sort of like pan it pans out and uh and there's like a, a light source that changes before the the short starts and i was even thinking like oh did they do that so they could experiment with light and shadow on the balls i think that's that, funny. i think that's what this is i think they're just being like great we can do a test and have more content yeah totally yeah yeah it, it says it was uh 1989 damn 1986 sorry whoa 1986 yeah. that's an early so when it's like original release date and then yeah you're right it played in front of toy story 2 that's so, so. early so early yeah that's way before tim burton's batman wow <laughs> i don't know what else came out in 1986 batman was 1989 all right uh should we do our our fifth one our fifth one is the same and i uh i'll, I'll fucking challenge anyone to a fist fight if they say this isn't one of the best Dude, it's, it's uh, jerry's game jerry's game what what Jerry's it, game is so good. What isn't there to say about Jerry's game? It's uh, it kind of taught us that uh, sometimes they put shorts at the beginning of movies, and when you're a kid, yeah. you're not expecting it. You're like, why am I watching this old man play chess? <laughs> what is this? The sequel to Queen's Gambit? And then, uh, and then, and then your parents are like, no, watch it. This is just a little short that comes before. And uh, yeah, yeah, then yeah. you fall this in love with Jerry, man. Before we watch Pixar, it's. 
it's such a lovable episode. I, I mean, like such a lovable short. I didn't realize how committed he gets to both characters. Yeah, it really develops like on itself. Oh, that this one's classic. Um, I think also it was one of those things that was a test. Yeah. Um, and I think it was uh, likely probably sort of the um, the facial sort of animation because yeah. he's such a range of uh, emotion uh, and sort of like, yeah, even the texture maybe because his eyebrows are really in that movie. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're right. I think it's about skin texture and probably facial movements. That's oh. interesting. I wonder if we could go through them and figure out what all the tests were. Um, but no, it's just like it's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. I'll tell you his his little like like his kind of like I guess like efforts almost are so funny to me. Even as a kid, I was just like these are so strange. There's like so much world building visually, and then when it comes to the sound design in this particular one, I just think like it's like lacking this this tiny amount. Only when it stacks up to things like La Luna, where you're yeah. like, wow, this world is so so large. But it's like obviously not really what they were going for in a test. Like not they weren't trying to test sound design. Mm -hmm. So his emotions that he is able to like convey on screen really like makes up for it and just like i love how you like even the audience gets invested in like we don't want fucking bad jerry to win we want like s like sensitive <laughs> good moral <laughs> jerry and then sensitive good moral jerry like fakes a heart attack <laughs> and then <laughs> and then the other jerry's like really like really concerned and then in your head you're like how is this happening in reality <laughs> like <laughs> what's happening here and then uh and then he gets up and he switches the board and like even in my in my, in my head i was like oh wait at the end of the day they both win they're the same dude <laughs> it's true you uh, have to like pull yourself out of being so invested in jerry's game you know it's funny i always called this gerald's game there's a and then i re i realized there's a netflix movie called gerald's game about a woman handcuffed to a bed uh, and her partner has a heart attack uh, while they're fooling around. So she's just stuck handcuffed to her her her, her bed. It's a Stephen oh, King book. Oh, jeez. Um, and I was like, man, hopefully these never get mixed up. <laughs> All right. Um, solid top five. Should we do our uh, honorable mentions? You got any? I got Lava. Lava, I believe it came before Moana. It's about two little... Uh, it's a love story between volcanoes, a little uh, about how Hawaii was created. And uh, it's just, it's incredibly cute. And um, it's stuck in my head. And when I went to Hawaii for vacation, it's the only thing I could think of. <laughs> was lava. I really liked that one. Um, that one would go in there otherwise for the birds, which I think is really cute. Again, like a good example of slapstick comedy. Mm -hmm. um, and... Yeah, there's that big blue bird gets the win in the end. I love it. So good. I uh, also want to give a honorable shout out to Spark Shorts. Sp I guess, is it called Spark Shorts? It's like, it's mm. a little miniature uh, offshoot of Pixar where they do um, what seems like, I didn't look into it. I should have. It seems like they just do small shorts for emerging filmmakers. Mm. And um there's some incredible ones in there. There's one called Smash and Grab, which is a lot of fun. Another one called uh, Bull Kitty. And those are insanely fun. Oh, I think I've seen a few of them. And uh, it was like in some sort of like Disney Pixar behind the scenes. Yeah. I don't know if there's one like where there's a couple that kind of gets uh, 
separated on a train or something like that. But yeah, no, I've definitely seen those and those are pretty cool. It's very, very fun. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Hope, what, do you have anything to tell the audience about? Follow me on Instagram at Hope Hatchling. Let's be friends. Let's hang out. Uh, I could buy my prints. So yeah, check it out. Hope's a great photographer. Uh, follow them. And uh, if you want, you can follow us on social media at at what will we watch podcast. And uh, if you give us a five star review on iTunes, I will read your review out on the show on next episode. Hope, thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'd love to have you back. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Goodbye, everyone. And uh, have a good week. Peace.